130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. That you may be feared, I will wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word I hope, my soul waits for the Lord, more than a watchman for the morning, more than a watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is pentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Thank you guys so much for joining us again for midweek. And I'm excited to dive into Psalm 130 as we read and as we will read together. I think it's great for us to get some time together in the Word. And if you've joined us faithfully on these Wednesday night services or whichever day you choose to engage with this service and this worship and this message, uh, I hope that it's encouraging to you. I really want it to be a blessing. And I think it's a good time for us to engage in the practice of worship together corporate worship, and it's great for us to engage in the practice of corporate teaching and learning together as we learn through the Psalms, even as I read through it. I've had more time to prepare and dig in than you as you've received it necessarily right now, but I'd like to think we're all learning. As I read through it, there's more I continue to learn. There's more that jumps out to me, and this Psalm is a great Psalm for where we're at. Thinking about we're, we're in July, and It's another month where things aren't where they were in January, and some things are for the better and some things are not, and some things are still unknown. There's a lot up in the air. There's a lot where we're moving forward and then we're pushing back and we're just wanting to learn how do we function right now safely? How do we engage with each other safely? What does health look like? What what do public gatherings look like? What does entertainment look like? It's still a crazy time, and it seems like we get these little bumps where things are better for a moment, and then we're right back into some sort of panic or some sort of a backpedaling on what we said earlier, but we hold fast to the Word of God, knowing that we're, we're in this together, that He has not abandoned us, that we are not alone uh, in our joy and in our suffering. He is there with us, and we get to engage with each other as well. So tonight, as we dive into Psalm 130, we're going to break it up in a few sections as we usually do. I want us to really look for the emotion of the psalmist, the emotion of the person who wrote this piece of poetry, this song to be sung, and and see what they're going through. Because as you look at that, I, I think we're going to see some things that we can relate to as a group of people. I think you're going to see some things that we should be drawn toward as believers, This was a psalm of ascent, as we've talked about before. The ascent is when we're ascending up to Jerusalem, when we're going up to a family gathering, a festival, as the Jews would do. And they would sing these psalms together to remind them of God's promises. But the person who wrote this psalm is really coming from a place of, is is anything better? Is anything getting better? Is there any hope? I was reading... uh, a blog by Tony Evans, and he says, sometimes God lets us hit rock bottom so that we can realize he's the rock at the bottom and we can lean on him as he lifts us up. And the psalmist is starting in a place where they've been at rock bottom. And some of us are at that place now where we're still in our desperation. We're still in our concern. We're still wondering where God is. And so I'd like us to dive in to read the first couple verses together. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. 
Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. So we're starting right there, out of the depths. And the first word that I want us to realize is desperation. The psalmist is coming from a place of desperation. I am in deep. And many of us can relate to that. We feel like we're in deep. We, we got a little relief from paying our rent on time or a little relief from that late payment, but we can still see the dues and the bills stacking up. We can still see the job market getting more and more competitive. We can still see money and savings accounts running out and we feel like we're in deep. And the psalmist cries out, out of the depths I cry out to you. So along with this being a psalm of ascent where they're singing it together, it is a psalm of lament as well. The, the phrase that we're learning as we lament to God, as we cry out to God, we speak our honest truth and make bold requests of God in lament. And it's also a penitential psalm where we recognize the weight of sin, the, the gravity of what it is we're going through. Hear my voice, let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. God, I'm in deep. Would you please help me? Would you be merciful to me as I feel like I, I can't climb out of this hole that I'm in? God, would you be merciful to us as, as we feel bogged down by little glimmers of hope being washed away by spikes in pandemic, by little glimmers of hope being washed away by crazy political tensions? or by sports not starting, or school still being up in the air, and summer plans being canceled left and right still. God, would you show us your mercy as we cry out to you? So maybe, maybe you're right there where the psalmist was when they wrote it. Or maybe you can remember where you've been at the end of your rope. You've been stretched thin and worn out. And when we hit that rock of the rock bottom, crying out to God is all we can do. If you're like me, your prayer life picks up a little more when you're at rock bottom. You start to cry out to God. You start to holler at God and yell at him in frustration. Please hear me. Do you hear me? Are you there? Or maybe this is the only time when your prayer life is, is existed. I only pray when I'm at rock bottom. And that's something that we can confess to each other. That's something we can own. So we can begin to talk to God more as we see that he is helping us climb out. Charles Spurgeon says that deep places beget deep devotion. Depths of earnestness are stirred by depths of tribulation. So we're in deep places. When we're in deep, it should draw us to deeper devotion to God, to be more devout as we cry out, be merciful. Show us your mercy. Give us a glimmer of hope. Would you show up in a big way? And some of us think that big way is a vaccine, and that's the only way that we could know that God is working is if God would bring healing. I, I believe God could do a number of things that would show us that he's working. And for many of us, when we have the eyes to see, we can see that he is working in this already. And while we may be in the depths, would those depths beget deep devotion to God and to his plan? When we're deep, would we be stirred toward devotion to God? toward longing for him, toward love for him. And so I think that's a beautiful way that Spurgeon put it. Because when we're in deep, are we being challenged to be more devout to God? 
When we're in deep, are we taking any action or are we just sitting and wallowing and developing the spirit of self-pity and doubt? Because that's what a lot of us are bent toward. And so I have to believe that that's what a lot of us are doing. I know that's, that's a big part of where I start when I get in deep is I start there. Man, this is never going to end. This is the worst. And we can relate to that. When we're in deep, we, we don't know how to move forward, so we might as well just sit still. But the psalmist continues that, so that we can take the next right step. Just take a little step. Just do something toward moving closer to God or do something towards moving. This psalmist said, hear me and be merciful to me. As we see in Psalm after Psalm after Psalm, hear me and be merciful to me. Oh God, please, I know you're there. So this first section is all about desperation. And I want us to reflect, how are we desperate right now? Is it money, job, strained family relationships, loneliness, isolation? All these problems existed before COVID-19, but they're all heightened right now. How are you desperate? And if you're not desperate right now, where can you see that God is working and you've seen that and you've claimed that and you celebrate that? Relationship problems, cabin fever. We don't know when the pandemic ends. We don't know if the vaccination has side effects. We don't know if there is a vaccination coming down the pipes. We don't know if that's going to solve it. I think we could all be a little bit desperate right now. But our desperation is not for healing from a pandemic. Our desperation is that God would continue to move in and through and for us every single day. Because if I think he does that and we have the eyes to see that, we have the hands to experience that and move for him and for his purpose and for his glory, he's going to do a big thing, bigger than a vaccine can even do. So let's look for that in our desperation. And then the psalmist moves on as we move from desperation Verse three and four, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. So we move from desperation to dependence on God. And we see every week, time and time again, a big theme in the Psalms is that we would trust God, that we would depend on God. And when we depend on him, we lean into him. Like when you're walking with a crutch, you lean into that crutch. You depend on that crutch for balance because you've got weakness in a limb. When we depend on God, we have that rock that's not just at the bottom, but he's lifting us up beyond rock bottom to carry us forward, to move us forward. So are we depending on God? If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? So God, if, if you're just looking at our iniquity, at our sin, at our disobedience, could we even stand against you? We, we have no legs to stand on because we're imperfect. We're bent to sin and we disobey. And that's just where we are. We, not just because we're sheltering in place, not just because we're social distancing. We're bent toward being impatient. We're bent toward wanting to have all the control and, and worshiping these idols. Like when's baseball going to start? When's football going to start? When can I go back to the bar and hang out with my friends? When can I go back to the restaurant and just eat? a dinner that I don't have to cook or clean up after. When can I do these things? And we worship these idols, these false gods, instead of leaning on the one true God. Because if you're marking our iniquities, who could stand? Because you know that no one is perfect, not even one, as we see in God's word. And if no one is perfect, then we have no legs to stand on. 
which is why God sent Jesus for us. Because with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. So standing is is the opposite of falling or sinking or drowning. Standing is the goal, and it's only God who can put us back up into that position of standing. When he can put our feet on the rock, as we see in Psalms as well, that he would lift us up, and forgiveness is the only way that he can do that. And that forgiveness puts us in a place to where we can fear God. Not necessarily a trembling, run-and-hide fear. Not a we-can't-approach-the-throne fear, but a healthy fear of God, a recognition of his power, his alone, should put us in a place of fear and respect and reverence. And we, we have that reverence because he is the one who can forgive. He is the one who has made us new. And so when we recognize the weight of our iniquity, if, if we recognize that if God were to only judge us based on our sin and not on the sacrifice of Jesus, if we're just stuck in our sin, we cannot stand. We're sinking, we're falling, we're hopeless. But when we recognize that he shows grace, he forgives, then we could be dependent on that grace, dependent on that forgiveness, just so that we can function daily. And that's the difference. When you recognize the weight of iniquity, it's easier for you to taste the beauty of grace. When you recognize the power of sin, and you notice that God is at work still, he isn't drawing us into sin, he draws us into freedom, then we can recognize the power of God in freedom, as he is the one who forgives, and he is the one worthy of our fear. Judgment without hope of pardon creates fear and dislike. So if God was just judging us on our sin, we would fear him, and we'd just try to be perfect all the time because we thought he didn't like us in our sin. But that's not true. The sense of forgiveness produces holiness. So when we're entering into a forgiven state, when we know, God, I've done wrong, I've messed up, we get to enter into forgiveness and celebrate that. And I know for many of us, we're parents and we have children who mess up. Sometimes they intend to mess up, sometimes they don't. But when we're modeling grace for them and when they mess up and they get forgiven, they don't necessarily just run and hide from us. We get to embrace them. We get to encourage them. Yes, you messed up, but I don't love you less because of it. Yes, you messed up, but that doesn't change the fact that you're my son, that you're my daughter. You messed up and I forgive you. So let's, let's be together. And that's what God wants. He's not marking us just by our iniquity. Instead, he's allowing us to stand in forgiveness because of what he has done. God is very different than the standard that was set by our bet to sin, by our brokenness. Instead, the standard is set by God. And he said, because of what I've done in Jesus, I can forgive all of the weight of sin, all of the pain of death is made new because Jesus bore that punishment and he took care of it all. So we can celebrate that this God is a God of forgiveness and worthy of being feared. God shows us, you disobeyed, I'm not going to meet you with punishment right away. If, if you walk into sin, if you step into sin, I want to love you out of it. I want to love you into grace. I want to bring you back. I want to chase down the sheep that ran away. I want to run after the son who's finally decided to come home after years of sin. 
I want to pursue my people in love is what God is saying, what God is doing. So let's see the weight of sin for what it is so that we can celebrate the power of grace for what it is. So that we can stand because if we're just marked by sin, we cannot stand. But God lifts us up to help us stand. And that is a God worthy of our dependence, our trust. Because it's not that he did it just once. He continues to do it time and time again. If we went through and did an inventory of the last few weeks of our sin, we'd think, man, three strikes and I'm out. Five strikes and I'm out. We should be out by now. But he continues to enter in. And Paul challenges and says, should we sin more because grace abounds? He says, no, we shouldn't do that. That's in Romans 6. Instead, we should recognize the power of grace, the weight of grace, and we should flee sin. We should run the other direction. And we can be transformed by renewing our minds to follow Jesus instead of following our own idols, our own comforts. So let's depend on God. When we're in positions of desperation, we need to depend on God even more. And then we'll continue reading. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. This is... The main point the psalmist is pushing us toward. All of this pushes toward verse 5. And this goes from desperation into dependence to the deliberate decision to hope in God. I will wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in, in his word, I hope. We have this hope that does not disappoint us. When we're in desperation, by depending on God, we get to make a deliberate decision to hope. And that's powerful right there. Wait for the Lord. What do we do in our waiting? What does waiting even look like? Some of us, the best way we wait is by preparing. We feel like, okay, I'm waiting for the world to end, so I should stock up on canned goods, a can opener, batteries, matches, candles, gasoline generator, I'm waiting for the storm to come, so I'm going to clear out that closet where all my stuff is so there's room for me to go when the storm comes. I'm waiting for the world to end, so I'm going to go ahead and spend all the money that I have because I don't need it when I'm gone. We're we're bad preppers because we're prepping the wrong way. But when we make the decision to hope, to wait for the Lord and hope in Him, it looks different. We become expectant. And that means we're expecting something to happen. Like when a woman is pregnant, she, she is an expectant mother. She's expecting to bear a child and have a healthy baby. And it's that expectancy, that hope that continues through a series of uh, suffering and pain, of hardships, of swollen ankles, whatever it may be, they expect this joy on the other side. And that's what we're doing in our desperation. That's what we should be doing as we follow this model set for us in Scripture. Life is hard right now. Life was hard a year ago. Life was hard three years ago. Life is hard, but we need to depend on God when we're in those desperate situations. And in our desperation, if we depend on God, it should breed this hope. In waiting, we study the word. 
Charles Spurgeon says that we should be studying the word while we wait because that prepares us for what we're waiting for. We hope in the word and live on the word and all because it is his word, the word of God who never speaks in vain. God's word is a firm ground for waiting soul to rest upon. God's word is where we can wait, how we can wait. So we can read our Bibles. We can know his word. We can store it in our heart. We can use it as as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I think some people are kind of legalistic about reading the Bible. Like if you don't read the Bible, are you really a Christian? I don't think reading the Bible is part of our salvation plan. But I think reading the Bible gives us a solid foundation to stand on. Reading the Bible helps us to know God more and see how he has proven himself worthy of our praise, worthy of our trust and dependence, and a God that we could hope for because it's in the Bible that we can see how the story ends, how things progress, how we are forgiven and redeemed and restored. So we wait on the Lord because waiting on the Lord points us back to the fact that he is returning He is saving the day. He is at work presently as well. So we wait by studying the word. But as I said earlier, the word became flesh and bore our sin and death. So we study the word so we can learn about the word who is actually Jesus. And Jesus lived a life that set the model for us. And if we could be loved like Jesus loved and love others like Jesus loved, this whole world would change. We wouldn't be anxiously awaiting a vaccine for the solution. We would be consistently looking for healthy and safe ways to serve, to love, to benefit others. And so he lived this life that we we couldn't even measure up to, a life that we're bent away from many times. We can't be patient. We can't turn the other cheek all the time. We We can't hold our tongues. We can't prevent ourselves from doing things prevent self-indulgence like Jesus did. But the word became flesh, and so we can hope by waiting patiently and studying his word and studying the life of Jesus. What did Jesus do in hardship? What did Jesus do in the unknown? It's kind of hard to see because Jesus was all-knowing, but in hardship, he modeled resilience, and he bore punishment after punishment, whipping, spitting, mocking, And he still pressed on, took one step at a time for the joy set before him. And he knew that there was joy coming because he still had to bear the powerful weight of the situation he was in, but he knew on the other side, grace would abound. He knew on the other side, chains would be broken, lives would be set free. And so that's what we celebrate in this as we wait for the Lord. The psalmist says, my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. He says it twice because he, he probably needed to resolve the note that he was writing the song to, but also he needed to drive forward some emphasis, more than the watchman for morning. Back then there was some shaky theology that God was alive during the day and at night, that's when demons and spirits would come out. That's when bad guys would come out. And so watchmen would wait and they'd wait to protect where they were. They'd wait so they could see who was coming and how they could prepare for who was coming. But honestly, they waited for the morning because when the morning came, they knew they'd be safe. They knew they'd be protected. They could see the darkness was gone and the light was there. And so my soul waits for the Lord by trusting in his word more than a watchman's even waiting 
for the morning. Because we know that this light came into darkness already. We know that story of Jesus. And so we wait like a watchman. Watchmen were intentional to be looking out for signs that someone was coming or something was different. Are we being intentional by looking out? By seeing what's going on? Watchmen are alert. It's a hard time to be alert because we kind of want to be sloths right now and just chill and keep digging through books and Netflix and crosswords and whatever hobby we may have developed in this time. But are we being alert to see that God may be calling us into something big? He may be calling us into action and off the couch or even into action on the couch by calling someone in need, by lifting up prayers for our loved ones and even people we don't know that we could pray for. Are we being alert? Are we being responsible? The watchman knew it was their job to alert people when there was danger coming. They knew it was their job to protect by give everyone the head, giving everyone a heads up, but also protecting the village they were watching over, the palace, whatever it was. And so are, are we being responsible with this time that we have? Or are we just sitting around waiting till everything can go back to normal, waiting till I can get a job? Are we taking hold of today and being honest today and working hard today, being responsible with the time we have today to love God well, to love others well, to lead our families well, to serve others well? And watchmen are hopeful. They're hoping for the sun to come up. They didn't have a watch where they could just check their wrists and see when is sunrise coming. They just kept looking out for the, the, just the, the peak of light to crest over the darkness so they could see the sun was coming up. They were hoping for something they knew would happen. Like a pregnant woman's hoping for the child to be born. A watchman is hoping for the sun to come up because that brings protection and freedom and they're hoping for it. And that's the model we get to follow in our desperation. I'm hoping for the sun to come up. I'm, I'm hoping that God would provide a job so I can support my family, but more so I'm hoping that he would work and move. And if he's moving in my unemployment, then let him move in my unemployment. If he's moving in my isolation, let him move in my isolation. But what is he calling me to do to step into my responsibility in this time and in this season? And these watchmen, as they're waiting, they see that we can hope in the Lord for with the Lord, there is steadfast love and with him, there is plentiful redemption. Steadfast love. That, that's, a, that's a love that's resilient beyond our iniquity, re- resilient beyond our sin, our disobedience. A steadfast love that we can put our trust in. And I would hope that you do. That you would trust God more than you trust the news station you're watching or trust God more than you trust what you see on Twitter. Trust God more than what you see happening in the stock market or in your bank account, whatever that may be, because he's got steadfast love for us beyond the things we can control, the things we think we can control. There's plentiful redemption. His grace doesn't run out. He's setting us free. He's redeeming us daily. It's not something we have to wait till the end to receive. We get to receive grace and freedom today. And then there's restoration from our sin. He will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. So God's people will be set free from our sins through his redemption. That's a promise they sang back in Psalm 130, but it's a promise that came true in the New Testament when we see Jesus's life. We see this this God who showed up, the word became flesh, a word that we can put our hope in and we can wait patiently for. And he redeemed all God's people. 
and his redemption plan is still at work in us and through us. So how are we waiting? How are we hoping? Because hope is a deliberate decision we need to make. Otherwise, we're backsliding quickly into pessimism or realism, or we're just looking at the things we can control as success and everything else as failure because it's out of our control. But instead, we should depend on God who's worthy of our trust because he will, in his steadfast love, offer his plentiful redemption for us to restore us from the iniquities of our sin. And that's worth celebrating. And when you know you need restoration, you see the beauty of grace. When you recognize you've done wrong, you see how beautiful and freeing grace really is. And that's the celebration we have. And so my my challenge, my self-response question, the action step I want you to take is to consider what are you doing to practice hope? How are you actively waiting like a watchman for the morning? to see the sun come up. What are you doing to wait? That, are you waiting in the word? Are you studying his word? Not just as a legalistic practice, but to know God more and to allow him to speak into your life. And if you don't know where to get started, we'd love to help. I mean, there's, a, there's an app on just about every phone that gets apps called the Bible. And the YouVersion Bible has reading plans where you can type in hope, anger, depression, worry, doubt, finances, You can type in and and find plans and devotionals and verses you can be reading. And if if that's too much for to do, you can email me, info at springcreekchurch.org, and we can get you plans that you can read. We can encourage you with his word so that we can wait in hope together because you're not alone. And if you're worshiping with us in this time, you're not alone. We're in this together and we're praying for our body of believers to be united in this time that we would be one in our desperation to depend on God to make the deliberate decision to hope. So would you hope with me and in expectancy, hope? Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you so much for the richness of your word, for the promises of the Psalms, and for the hope that your word gives us, because we know we're not alone. We know how powerful sin can be, and as it creeps into our lives, would you shine on it bright so we can see it, so we can flee from it and draw near to you? Would you surround us with believers who love us and care about us as well? Would you encourage us through your spirit, through your word, to follow you more closely and to be beacons of hope that point others to you as well? Continue to restore us and redeem us every day through your steadfast love. And would we model that steadfast love as well? It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us in this time. We'll put the reflection question back up on the screen as we close out. And I encourage you to take steps toward practicing hope actively. And we look forward to seeing you guys back on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Or you can join us back here Wednesday as well next week at 7 p.m. We'll see you.